Hello, and welcome to the Lake Forest Church Huntersville Sermon Podcast. We are a community of skeptics, spiritual explorers, and longtime followers of Christ. To learn more about who we are as a church and how you can get connected, visit lakeforest.org. We root, God grows. We root, God grows. If you were here last week as we began the series and you don't remember that, my bad, it's on me. (laughs) I wasn't a very good teacher, Mike, if you didn't get that. Would you all say it with me? We root, God grows. We root, God grows. Yeah, so we started this series about spiritual growth, and that's how Jesus teaches the spiritual growth happens. We learned that last week from Mark chapter 4. I thought that was super cool, frankly, that spiritual growth is all grace. We root, and then he gifts us with growth. Just like salvation, it's all grace. And if you missed the message, I hope you'll go back and catch up with us so you can be be on pace. Our part is to root, and last Sunday in our three worship services, we actually physically all rooted a seed in this little thing with a little rooted sticker. And uh, it's starting to, some people's have sprouted, some people's have not. This one of mine, we rooted the seed. And by the way, if you weren't here, you worshiped online and you want to get in on having your little rooted thing as a perpetual prayer in your window for this series, put a little cellophane on it. We have a few extra out at the, the, the Welcome Info Center. Um, most of them are gone though, but you can grab one. And so I rooted mine, we did that at halftime of the sermon last Sunday. I rooted mine and look, it didn't grow. I got nothing. Man, this spiritual growth stuff is stupid. (laughs) I give up, man. God, why didn't you grow me right now? That's what a lot of this series is actually about. We root, and then we trust God's timing. And when we remain rooted, even in the season of winter when growth is not visible, we remain rooted in the four main areas of discipleship that God has given to the church. And we remain rooted there. And we trust that he's doing the growing as we root ourselves in him in these right environments. And so last week we learned about how God grows us spiritually. And we addressed then the first of four areas. Uh, We talked about discovering God and God's word through weekly worship, which we're doing right now. That's the first of the four main environments God gives the church for spiritual growth and becoming missional disciples of Jesus. And week two today, we're going to learn to be rooted in Jesus-centered community. It's part two of what we call our discipleship summary of what the Bible teaches here at Lake Forest. We try to make, let me put this on screen, discover, belong, share, go. We try to make this like, all of our e-notes, by the way, have you noticed? They have, we have different things that we offer. We, 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 we signal to you which environment, which hothouse greenhouse environment this is for discipleship. And so, discover, belong, share, and go. Would you say it with me? Discover, belong, share, and go. Uh, uh, And and so discover was last week. That's discovering more about uh, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit through God's word and rooting in weekly worship. Belong is rooting ourselves to do life together with other Christians the way Jesus did in life. 
a small committed group of people who study the Bible together and care for one another. Share is to share our time, talents, and gifts to help other people grow spiritually by serving in our church. Go is to go on the mission of God, either near or far, to people hungry for God or hungry for food, to people like us and not like us in the way that God leads you. This is our summary of discipleship, and it's our gift to me and you. Every the end of July, I, run, I filter my life through these four things and say, Lord, in which of these discipleship greenhouses do I need to root a little differently this year? I always do that every July, and I hope you do as well. And today, our emphasis is on belong up there in the upper right-hand corner. That we are to belong in Jesus-centered Christian community where we study the Bible together, we do life together, we're like the church with one another. Because here, in a big old group, all facing forward, we can't do all the one another's in the New Testament. Bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, rebuke one another, confess our sins to one another, love on one another, pray for one another, all that stuff. That's to happen in a smaller group, just like Jesus and the disciples, just like the New Testament church. And that's where we live as the church. And so this is measurable. This isn't like a good idea, like, hey, do I believe that or not? The question is, am I practicing this or not? And so it's measurable. Am I, I'm either in a committed, ongoing community group, remix group, men's, women's group, small mentoring group, some kind of Christ-centered group, or I'm not. It's A or B. There's no C or D or, or all the above. It's one or the other, so think about that for a minute. Just like this tree is rooted in that dirt. It's not not rooted in the dirt. It is rooted there, and that's true for you and me about Christian community. And as I thought about it, teaching about Christian community. If you've been here for any amount of time, you've heard me say this and spray it and jump up and down about it and get red in the face. God's will for a Christian to grow is to root in Christ-centered community. So I'm not going to make the case for that today. I've made it about 55 million times. You're tired of me making that case. So I thought about it and I realized there's a big but in the middle of God's call to do life together in Christian community. And that big but is this. But I thought about my regular conversations with people like you through the years of why people choose not to be in Christian community, either worshiping weekly or in some kind of a small group. And one reason, even though the Bible plainly teaches it, and there's one reason that stands out above all others for why we as Christians, and if you're looking into the Christian faith, it may even be why it's been hard for you to even risk church. But there's one overwhelming reason many of us just don't root ourselves, and it's this. But Pastor Mike, but Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit, but Bible, church hurts. Church hurts people. Church people hurt people. I have some church hurts. Let me put that on the screen, please. That's the number one reason people tell me they opt out of Christian community. And I'm speaking right now to many people who are the walking wounded. You consider yourself a walking wounded Christian or inquiring Christian. You've been in the body of Christ and you've been hurt by other Christians. People, you're someone, many of you in this room, who've been hit by the betrayal of a Christian and therefore you answer no to the question of will I be in regular committed Christian community. I'm going to do the other stuff. I'll worship, which is awesome, like well done. Church hurts to be part of it. 
That's a fact. I know it better than anybody. And this is many of you here or worshiping online or on Facebook. You've been grievously wounded by a Christian in a relationship in your church or at work, a Christian coworker or a Christian neighbor or growing up by a Christian parent. And they wounded you. And you'll never be the same. You'll suffer with this for the rest of your life. You vow, some of you vowed, I'll never go back to any church. That's why some of you worship online. I've actually heard that story. And I'm glad you're worshiping with us online. I get it. And some of you are like, and it's really a miracle that some of you are here today or you're dialing in. Because maybe it felt like, man, I'm gonna, I gotta lick those wounds and live with this pain the rest of my life. And the pain can become bitterness. And it has for some of you. I recently met with a young couple who are new here at Lake Forest, and they just wanted to get to know me as pastor and made an appointment. I love that when you do that. Please reach out. I love, I just, that's my joy and honor to know the scrimmage line of, of your life. And I simply asked, well, have you been in a church before? And they said, yes, years ago. We've now risked coming back. And they told me a story of being hurt by a leader in that church. And the reason why some of my professional equipment includes, some of y'all have professional equipment in your job. Mine is a box of tissues on my coffee table in my office because these people just ended up in tears. We've been hurt by other Christians. And I said, well, I'm proud of you for risking Christian community again. I was with a former pastor recently who now does different work and he hates his job. As he spilled his guts, he said that he changed careers after he was betrayed by another believer in his church, a leader. And holding back tears, he said, I'm in this fix because another Christian hurt me. If you're a person who understands the phrase that I sometimes use, hey, I'm glad you risked church today. Because of your own church hurts that I understand, I've been hurt and betrayed by Christians too. And if we have time at the end of this message, I'm going to tell you my greatest hurt from church people. I bled from that wound a long time. Yet here I am, joyfully participating in the body of Christ in a committed way. In, in two, I'm actually in two community groups because I love Christian community so much. I'm in a 20-something group. They let me hang out with them. And... Angie and I's group. I'm sure there are people here who've been disillusioned by church, and you stay on the edges of Lake Forest. You like how we talk about grace. You like that we're, we're at least seeking authenticity. I will not claim authenticity, but we seek it. And you like that, and you're hanging around the edges. I want for you to discover the grace of spiritual growth that's found when you truly root yourself in Jesus-centered community with a few others. What I'm talking about is what the military calls friendly fire, the flack we take from our own side. This specific pain was experienced by the subject of our January sermon series, King David of ancient Israel. Psalm 41.9, King David wrote, Even my close friend whom I trusted who ate my bread lifted his heel against me. You know how in the Middle East, even today, it's an insult to put your shoe on somebody. That was the same back then. That, that's an ancient way of insulting someone. 
This pain was also known by Jesus, our Savior. John 13, 18, he experienced it, and he actually showed his facility and his knowledge of Scripture by actually quoting David. He, he ran his own experience through the biblical record, and he quoted David and said, He who ate my bread has left at his heel against me. <clears throat> and so m- many of us who have experienced church hurts before, we see the King David and experienced it too. So here's what I want to ask for our time, and then we'll have some worship over this to just talk to the Lord. What do we do with church hurts? Do we deroute or reroute in Christian community? That's the question. You either do that or you don't. Again, I'm going I'm to risk being behavioral about this because in a minute, I'm going to get all internal. But in the end, it's behavioral. I either deroute or I reroute in Jesus-centered community, not just worship in rows, but doing life together in small circles, in homes, just like Acts 2 models for us. So the question is not, how do we stop church hurt? That's like saying, man, how can we undo the fall of humankind into sin? How can I undo the sin nature in my child? Every parent knows that's not really the right question. The question is not, how do we stop this? It's, what do we do with it? And and the question may also be put, as one writer puts it, will I remain a victim or will I move to being a victor with Christ by becoming symbolized by becoming rerooted in committed, consistent Christian community? So, I got this plant up here that Dearness Gardens was was kind to give us when when they were there shooting that video. And I got this thing. this is, this is a Christian who goes through conflict, okay? And this happens for almost everybody who goes through conflict in a church. Like somebody hurts you. And so you're like, man, I'm jumping out of community. I ain't doing that anymore because that hurt. By the way, <clears throat> I didn't know that lime trees have thorns. That's why I'm wearing gloves. <laughs> what, what is it? Will this lime tree grow derooted from the soil? Just simple question. Let's all answer it at once. I know it's a dumb, it's like, come on, Mike, give me something harder than that. But let's just go ahead and answer it. Yes or no? No, No, it will not grow. And that's the way a Christian or someone seeking Christian faith will be. We'll get stuck spiritually. Now, it's not easy. It's messy. Look at these gloves. If I take them off, I'm going to bleed handling this tree. It's not easy. It's not painless. It's stinking messy. And this is, in my experience, the gut reason why many Christians, if not most, choose to live without committed, Jesus-centered community. Christians who get hurt by other Christians and fail to take them do the necessary spiritual work, which is to identify our pain with Christ. That's what I want us to learn this morning. Because the spiritual growth that comes from being rooted in the soil of journeying like Jesus, doing life with other spiritual community, that stops in your life. There's no other way to get a full quarter of the way God wants to grow us spiritually. You can serve, you can go on mission, you can show up and worship, but you're not going to get, you're leaving on the table at least a quarter of the spiritual growth that God has planned for you. And so if you were hurt by a Christian, I'm sorry. I know what that's like. But if you choose 
to continue to treat yourself as a victim of that. Rather than identify with the pain of Jesus, identify with the betrayal Jesus endured and receive his healing and reroute. Oh, I want that for you and me. So I wonder, I'm just going to ask the question straight up again because it's yes or no. How many Christians here on Facebook or wherever are derooted? I'll put that on screen. Uprooted from Christ-centered community. There is another answer. There's a way to healing. But get ready and gear up because it will involve another kind of pain, the pain of Christ's cross, which is an intense subject. It's not a feel-good subject of how to live your best life now, this morning. That's not my subject. Christ's cross will bring resurrection, and the new life he brings will make the roots and the tree start growing again into what we heard Jesus call us yesterday. His will for us is to grow up into an oak of righteousness. A healthy church is not a church without conflict, by the way. That's fake. A healthy church deals with the inevitable human conflict in healthy ways and in biblical ways and in forthright ways, looking each other in the eye, and sometimes saying, I'm going to deal with the conflict. I'm going to forgive you, but we're not going to be friends. That's okay. That's healthy. Forgiveness does not include necessarily being a friend, but includes reconciliation. For example, every year and today, when I invite you to commit to being in a community group, a, a remix group, a men's or women's group, I'm not inviting you to something that, that I think is a Disneyland of relationships where everything's always happy and curated because it's got the word Christian in front of it. That's fake, man. You're committed to growing through joy, friendship, and thus conflict. Conflict is a, if you're a leader here, you know that conflict is actually a generative tool when the leader faces it forthrightly. And that's true in our faith as well. So let's apply God's word to this, to church hurts. For believers hurt by other believers, for loved ones, hurt by other loved ones, this applies. Anyone feeling like a victim of another person, which is probably all of us here. Maybe you just feel betrayed by life. What does Jesus model for us so we can move from victim to victor in dealing with the pain of betrayal or suffering of any kind? Well, we have to take three drastic steps. By the way, I want you to know that from this point forward, my three main points are from a pastor named Michael Milton. He is president of Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte. His writing on this subject blew me away as I was doing my research. And, and I was, it was remarkable how similar his content is to the content I share with you in my office when you come talk to me about church hurts. But he says it better. So you're welcome that I don't only take my own counsel, but I research every week. But I'm leaning into his teaching pretty heavily today, and I want you to know that. The way of Jesus when church hurts. That's actually my content. But this one is his. Let me put this on screen. Take up your cross. Can you say that? Take up your cross. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Take up their cross and follow me. Would you read this with me, that, this teaching? Then Jesus said to his disciples... Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. I'll put this on screen. Friends, you can allow every sorrow 
every act of treachery, every act of betrayal to become for you a point of identification with Jesus Christ. The worst slander behind my back from a person who was very close to me, a Christian, and it hurt me mostly because it cost me some friends and it cost me some of my public reputation some years ago. After I was able to forgive that person, what was most redemptive to me was learning to identify not as a victim, but to identify with Jesus, who was misunderstood, falsely accused, tortured due to betrayal. Who am I but Jesus' servant? I will identify with Jesus. I will receive his compassionate identification with me in my betrayal and hurt that I'm bearing. And I bear far less significant consequences in my life from hurt and betrayal than Jesus did. How do you move from hurting to rejoicing? The answer is, first, we take up our cross. That's not an easy answer, but it's necessary and it's congruent with the God we follow who came to us in Jesus. It's the first step, being able to follow Jesus and before you can reroute yourself in Jesus-centered community. This is what Jesus commanded us to do when he said, take up your cross. And you know what he said right after that? If anyone comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The person who's hurt and not moving on to embrace that pain as a means for God to, to do something in your life, that's a person who's stuck. And the reason is because that means that I'm choosing to not deny myself. And instead, I want to feed myself. My rights, they hurt me, they should do this. This is about me. I need to be justified. I need to be taken care of. I was offended. And Jesus says, take up your cross, follow me, deny yourself. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. This is Jesus' way of dealing with church hurts. We think about the cross as bearing physical pain, and it can be. And we want to think about the cross in evangelical Christianity as standing up for truth and taking some hits for it in culture, man. Maybe even being a martyr for it in some other cultures. And that's actually true. Throughout church history, many have done so. But the context of the cross, I'll put this on screen, is betrayal and being hurt by those close to us. So if you nurture a sort of faith-based or politics and values-based grievance against the culture, maybe look at whether you're doing the same in family and close and Christian relationships when you are hurt. And then look at the cross. Jesus took up his cross of betrayal and bore it when he was hurt and betrayed by others, by people close to him. Zechariah 13.6 speaks of this. The wounds I received in the house of my friends. We could go around and tell stories, couldn't we, at this moment? This is the pain you may feel in your heart. This may be where some of you are living today. Sadly, some people choose to live by the words of the playwright Tennessee Williams, who famously wrote, quote, We have to distrust each other. It's our only defense against betrayal. No, no, no. That's the triumph of cynicism. God does not call us to live de-rooted due to distrust. He calls us to live in faith in Christ. 
It's not that I naively and implicitly trust all people. It's that I am to trust God in all situations. And this makes life sweet as I live out his word. It's true you may be hurt, but you're the disciple of one who was betrayed, who was hurt, and rerooted, and is the root of Christian community, and you and I are no better than Jesus. To follow Jesus is to embrace the cross, to say with the Bible, though he was the Son of God, he learned obedience through suffering. Not that we as Christians are to be gluttons for punishment and go looking for church hurts. We're not masochistic. We don't desire pain and go looking for it. But we're followers of Christ. And to identify with Christ, we bring all of our heartache to him and find meaning in our suffering, even in our betrayals through Christ. In identification with Christ and his suffering. The Apostle Paul wrote a mystical statement in the New Testament that I wrestle with all the time, and I still don't know really what he meant. But he did say that the church will fill up the full measure of Christ's sufferings until he returns. Perhaps this is part of that. In dealing with the experience of being hurt by others, we take up the cross, and that's our way of stop being a victim and become a victor through Jesus. Think about what God is teaching us when we're tempted to play the victim when we are hurt by others. Genesis 50, verse 19. Joseph said to his brothers, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, parentheses, when you hurt me grievously. But God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Famously, Joseph's brothers in the book of Genesis sold him into slavery in a foreign country. Joseph then endures much hardship due to the betrayal of his own brothers. He learns how to trust God in every circumstance and how to live as a victor, not a victim, and stay engaged with life and with God's plans. And this verse represents Joseph's perspective as a mature man when his brothers come to see him again, and they're like, don't hurt us now that you're more powerful than us. And here, in Joseph, we identify step number two. The first step of the way of Jesus when church hurts is to take up our cross. The second step is take off your crown. It's good and healing for you and me when we are hurt to stop pretending we are sovereign and confess the truth that only God is sovereign. It is a profound, life-changing act of submission to say, I'm not in control. God is. And in confessing this, we find healing. If you're in control, then your if you're in control, then your crucifixion has no meaning. So we're tempted to hold hostage in our heart the person who perpetrated the injustice upon us. It was unjust. It was a wrong. You were victimized. But if we hold them hostage in our heart, then we're trying to be in control and make it about us, and therefore our crucifixion has no meaning. But if God is sovereign, then the one who brought your cross is Christ himself. This is hard language, but it's thoroughly biblical. It means that like Joseph, like the Apostle Paul, and yes, most like Jesus, we view at all times God himself sovereignly ruling in all of life to bring you and me to the point of crucifixion after we've taken up our own cross. Because what is crucifixion meant to do? It's meant to destroy. 
Can I just say it plainly? God has destruction on his mind in parts of your life. He intends to purge, to refine. I have experienced this in dealing with my own church hurts. As one Puritan writer phrased it, God intends to put the gold into the fire until the last dross has drained from the metal. End of quote. Jesus was crucified according to his father's sovereign plan to bring healing to all. And it was to his father that he cried out in his pain. Now, at this moment, with conversations in my office or in the coffee shop with somebody who wants to talk about their church hurt, it usually gets quiet. It gets quiet. Because we don't. This is hard truth for us. Maybe it's uncomfortable for you right now. But Joseph escaped being a victim and became a victor by naming God, not as the author of evil, but the one who caused it to work together for good. Paul, the apostle Paul, when he's writing the book of Philippians from prison, and he, he was not bitter against the false Christian preachers or the leaders of the synagogue in town who had slandered him and caused his imprisonment. He prayed for them and said he would give his life for them, even though they had betrayed him. And he, even though he would suffer and ultimately lose his life because of their betrayal and slander against him. Why? Because Paul knew that God was sovereign in his own personal crucifixion. That God, not humankind, is in control. And when we acknowledge that, there is meaning in our own identification with Christ in his crucifixion on the cross. Here's how this 1800s commentator that, that is very commonly read by guys like me, here's this guy named Matt, how, how Matthew Henry summed up the fact of the sovereignty of God and yet the painful things that are sent to us. Again, he's quoted by Michael Milton. Quote, and I'll put this on the screen, God often brings good out of evil and promotes the designs of his providence even by the sins of men. Not that God is the author of sin, far be it from us to think so, but his infinite wisdom so overrules events that the issue ends in his praise. That ends in his praise was at first to his dishonor, as in the putting of Christ to death. Let me bring that down to real life. A well-known megachurch pastor in Texas who has a command, he's a well-known commanding leadership style, found out he was doing the same at home. Because there was a time when he walked into his bathroom and his wife had put a sticky note on the bathroom mirror that said, when will you stop trying to be the general manager of the world? <laughs> yeah. That's a good wife right there. <laughs> I wonder how many general managers of the world are sitting in this room right now. If I know Lake Norman people, there's a whole bunch of us. <laughs> so as one recovering control freak to another at least when it comes to the enterprise that I'm a part of, you know there's only one manager of the world, and that's good news because the crucial prayer in coming to terms with any pain that has come against us, including getting hurt by someone close to us or a believer whom we thought we could trust, here's the prayer for taking off my crown. Are you ready? We're going to say it right now to all aloud. Let's read this together. God, you are in control 
What do you want me to learn? Right now, have in your mind the person who hurts you, the circumstance, and what they took from you in reputation or relationship, maybe even provision. It may have threatened your finances. I want you to have that person in mind, and now let's pray this. God, you are in control. What do you want me to learn? This is the prayer of taking off our crown in every circumstance, including church hurts. And it releases me and you to let God deal with us. It focuses our pain, not on the person who hurts you, but on the God who has led you to your own cross, the God who has purification and redemption of parts of you in mind, wherever and whenever there's hurt. As the British apologist Malcolm Muggeridge once put it, every happening, great and small, is a parable whereby God speaks to us. And the act of life is to get the message. Every once in a while, I'll remind you that here at Lake Forest, we're part of the Presbyterian stream of Christianity. And then I tell you, I joke around and say, but I call us Presbyterian with a small p. Because we're quite obviously big C Christians way first and foremost. You don't have to be all Presbyterian to join here. You do to be an elder or pastor theologically. It, obviously, it's our priority to be in unity with all believing Christians in this town and around the world. I actively seek out unity in this community among churches, and that's one of my great joys because I've just been here longer without quite falling in all the way into a ditch yet. But one reason our pastors and elders have chosen submission to the Presbyterian faith is this. I'll put this on screen. It's a quote. Grasping God's sovereignty, not as a theological concept, but as an act of utter submission and childlike faith will move you from the status of victim to victor. We're going to take up our cross when we encounter church hurts. We're going to take off our crown because of God's sovereignty and ask him what he's teaching me. And then third, thirdly, Jesus waited to heal church hurts. Thirdly, go to your Gethsemane. Gethsemane, if you haven't learned much of the Bible yet, is the garden where on the night of his betrayal, in the middle, while his betrayal was happening and he knew it, he predicted it, he went to the garden of Gethsemane and there he prayed and made peace with the approaching pain of his cross. And he went there with his committed friends he did life together with, even though one of the 12 was missing because he was that moment betraying Jesus' location to the authorities. Gethsemane is the place where, like Jesus, you and I come face to face with our own crucifixion, with the fact that God is in control. Because if there's going to be a resurrection on the other side of this, if there's going to be new life to arise from the pain, which you know is God's will, and so I want you to grab it for yourself from his hand. On the other side of the betrayal, the hurtful words, then there has to be a crucifixion, and if there's going to be a crucifixion by the Father for the good of many, then there must be Gethsemane. Gethsemane is the moment when you say with Jesus in the garden, let's read this together and put it on screen. Let me put that on screen, please. It's when we say with Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. Mark 14, 36. Your Gethsemane, the moment when you respond to the pain you've received from others, is the turning point when you either deroute from the means of grace that is Jesus-centered community in your life, and you go forward forever as a walking wounded Christian, 
destined to carry that burden for years, or you will accept the trial as coming from God, open your life to his healing and what he wants to do in your life and teach you and stay rooted. See how neat that is? In Jesus-centered community or reroute and put yourself back in the place of Jesus-committed, continuous community to root yourself in the place where God always promises he will grow you. If you take up your cross, take off your crown, your response of faith will lead you to total trust in the Lord for your life and total forgiveness and release of others. And so the fourth step is to reroute in Christian community. That's the physical symbol. That's how you know you're not faking yourself. I healed from that. I took up my cross. I took off my crown. I went to Gethsemane, and I said, Lord, not, thy will, not my will, but thy will. This is how you don't fake yourself out, that you've done that as you reroute in Jesus-centered community. We have lots of ways to do that. You can write it on your card right now. Hey, help me reroute in Christian community. You can write that on your card. We'll help you with that. That's what we're here for. We'll all be hurt. We're all a bunch of recovering sinners living with each other, okay? Like a family, we say things that hurt. We make mistakes that hurt others and ourselves. We live in a world that's fallen and where we're always being victimized by someone or something. That's a fact. The f- will we handle it following Jesus or go the way of the world? But will we identify our sufferings for Christ so that we are becoming like him through the things that come against us. Now, I have left a couple of minutes to tell you that I'm not speaking to you out of airy-fairy biblical theology from my mind sitting with a bunch of books. <laughs> I am speaking from the rugged plains of reality of church hurts in my own life. 21 years ago, when me and some friends founded this church, Lake Forest, 21 years ago, in a roller skating rink. In the first year of this church was the most joyful experience in my career to that date. And it was the most painful still. Because while it looked awesome, our church plant did in that skating rink, and it was cool that I preached under a disco ball. For the entire first year, a small faction of our founding group were asking the elders of our parent church to fire me. Writing me letters, writing the elders of our sponsoring church letters. And it was due to accusations that were shocking to me. That in making, we made this one decision the summer before we started. Hey, are we going to take up an offering physically during worship? Or just be chill and let people just drop it in the treasure box? That was our decision. And over the decision that, that I broke the tie of the vote in, uh, in that, they accused me of twisting scripture, being a pastor just for the sake of having power over other people, lying, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So I should be fired. And halfway through that year, they actually called a judicial session with the leadership of our parent church. And I went to that. For most of that year, I had the joy of a new church, people becoming Christians for the first time. And I had the pain of being hurt deeply by other Christians. I was not innocent in this. (laughs) The elders of our parent church basically eventually said, that's crazy, stop it. But the wounds were deep for me, and through the loving counsel of a mentor, I was led to put off being a victim and to not run from Christian community, to not withdraw from the people in our church. I'm very rooted in relationship with people here at Lake Forest, not with everyone, but with some. I think that's an authentic measure of a pastor who's rooted in community. 
And when I was able to reframe it because of my mentor from they hurt me to what do you want me to learn, Lord, as I bear this cross, my mentor helped me walk through forgiveness, but more importantly, he helped me identify aspects of my emotional life and habits in my leadership that needed to be crucified and put to death, which was painful. But the resurrection on the other side was being a leader who led a little bit more like Jesus on the other side of Gethsemane. And so it turned out that in our first year, yeah, God was building a church, but God was also building a pastor. And God is in the process of building you if you'll stay rooted in worship and in Christian community. I want that for you. I don't say this to bring attention to myself, but to show God's faithfulness. I want you to experience healing from church hurts, and I want to see each of you grow and thrive spiritually because God grows you quietly, slowly, year by year, as you are rooted in Christian community. Let me pray, and we'll worship. Heavenly Father, you're so good. We love you. We thank you. And we thank you for Jesus. We thank you, God, that not only are you not silent, you've told us who you are, you've showed us who you are through Jesus, but you do not say that the pains and suffering in life are merely an illusion. You came and you dealt with it physically through the death of your son on the cross to atone for our sins and to rise from the dead in victory over death. And God, thank you that you come to us and give us healing and hope and resurrection in our concrete experiences of the effects of fallenness in this world, particularly church hurts. Lord, each one of us now, wherever we are holding on to a bitter root of a hurt from a Christian or anyone else, while we worship now, we tell you we will take up our cross, we will take off our crown, and we will meet you in Gethsemane and say, Lord, what are you want me to learn? And not my will, but thine be done.